guess the rain has kept some people out. It's, it happens. It happens. But it didn't keep us out, huh? Amen. Amen. It's good to be here in the house of the Lord. Something special. I, it, hey, the Bible says don't forsake the assembling. Now, if you, if you have to. Forsaking means that you are able to be here, but you choose not to be. That's what forsake means. Sometimes we're not able to be here. And uh, it, mean, it doesn't mean you forsook it. Uh, but forsaking means, God said, do not forsake. Uh, forsake means you have the ability to be here in church, but you choose not to. And Hebrews tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves. Why? Because this is most important to, to the Lord Jesus Christ, for us to be here together. And uh, we don't meet often. We meet Sunday morning, Wednesday night, right? Now, if you're involved, heavily involved, we're meeting here at Bible school. We're here at choir practice. We're here Wednesday night. We're here uh, some, sometimes Saturdays for the time and others, uh, they clean the building and so forth. We're here in outreach as well. And uh, sometimes it feels like we're here every day. Uh, but, man, sometimes I wish I, we could live here sometimes, you know, because uh, once you get out, uh, things get a little tough and problems arise, right? And you uh, need to uh, get back to life, uh, be a light. But when you're in the presence of God as much as possible, encouraging each other, you feel safe. We feel good. And thank God this is a safe place to be in the house of the Lord where the world is not in here. It's a dangerous thing. It's, we allow the world. That's why it's important not to be worldly. Uh, because when you allow the world to come in, creep in, it doesn't stop. They start taking away. Um, are we losing Miss Holsworth? Okay. Uh, we're, they're taking away um, what is good, which is God. And we can't allow the world in here. Uh, we can't allow the world in your home, in your church, in your life. You've got to keep uh, yourself clinging to the Lord. And if the devil starts getting to you or attacking you, you've got to stand up and fight back. Amen? All right, let's go to ne uh, Nehemiah. book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 1, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month Chislu in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the palace, uh, the 20th year of Artaxerxes, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. At this time, uh, the temple had already started being built, and uh, th that was through Ezra. And if you read uh, through the scriptures, you're going to find that um, the Word of God here in these books are not chronologically in order. Um, Ezra and Nehemiah, they come after Daniel, right? T towards the end of the Old Testament, if you want to chronological, chronologically uh, order them. Uh, but here in the middle of this, too, is as the book of Esther, all right, with King Ahasuerus, he was in, in the midst here. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, we know in Daniel, right? Remember Nebuchadnezzar? Who can forget Nebuchadnezzar? Uh, Nebuchadnezzar came and he took away all the children of Israel. He uh, leveled everything. He, he took out everything on the temple, and then he came back and leveled everything, um, burnt, burnt everything and, and stomped everything to the ground and, and overtoppled and uh, destroyed Jerusalem. And then we... we uh, had the message of Nebuchadnezzar's son, Belteshazzar, right? Who defiled the uh, 
cups of the Lord and brought them out and drank his wine in them. And he's seen the hand and the fingers writing on the wall, right? We read about that. And uh, Daniel told him um, what the writing on the wall meant. He said that your kingdom is numbered. The Medes and the Persians will come in and take over. And that's how we have Cyrus. And Cyrus gave the decree uh, for the temple to be built again. Not the walls of the city, but the temple. If you know Jerusalem, Jerusalem had a, a wall, the big wall surrounding the city of Jerusalem, and inside was everything else. It was their safety. But God had ordained that the temple should be built first before the walls. Amen? The most important, listen, if, if God doesn't look out for you, then all is in vain. If you don't have God's blessing on your life, then all is in vain. If you're going in your life without the Lord, all is in vain. In our mindset, we need to have a, a, a lock on the door before we have the door. But that's not true. Jesus is the door, amen? Uh, you, you're going to lose the purpose. What's a lock without the door? And wh what's, what's a city without the temple? What's a city without God? Forget the walls. If the Lord doesn't look out for the, for the city, then the watchman waketh in vain, the Bible says. He watches in vain. If you don't have, if you're not serving the Lord as a family, uh, then you have no family. Your family's in vain. If you are uh, working just to work, then you're working in vain. If you're living life without Jesus, then you're living in vain. You are trying to have the things without the one who gives life. And the Bible says, be not weary in well-doing. Why? Because Doing well, in doing well, and doing right, it does, we do get weary. That's why the Bible says, be not weary in well-doing. In well-doing, we do get weary. It gets hard to come to church sometimes. But you know what? When we, when we get weary the most is when we're blessed the most. And we forget why we have those blessings. When me and my wife got married, we had nothing. We lived in a terrible, I mean, the most terrible neighborhood you could live in. Um... Drugs and shooting and, and uh, music. The music was what got me. I hate music. Music all night, the wrong music. They would blast music till five in the morning. And they went to bed around six in the morning. Uh, and it, when, when I got up, and then when, when I got home from work, that's when they were waking up. If you lived in any of those neighborhoods, you understand. But we had to, um, I had, we had, we slept with earmuffs and, um, and everything else to drown out the, the filth of the, uh, of the music they blasted, which rattled our home, and, and there was no peace, uh, and it, it ruined our peace. And thank God that God blessed us, and we were able to get out of that neighborhood. And that's where Caleb was born. Caleb was born in that neighborhood. And me and my wife grew up in that neighborhood. Uh, but we got out of that neighborhood, and then we bought a house. We thought it was a step up because it had some grass you know, when you're from Philadelphia in the inner city, if you had any grass, you were, you were rich, right? But hey, we weren't rich. God got us out. And then the actual thought that God would move us past Cotman Avenue up here, we were really rich then. God moved us to Academy Road, and from there we started the church in our house. Um, but how the Lord moved us along. And all, one day... When we were renting this church building here, the people that lived in the house here, they came up to us and said, would you like to buy our house? We said, we can't buy the house. We have no money. We're not ready to buy that house. That was the rich, rich people. 
that live there. Now we live there. God worked it out. Now to have a building like this with a parking lot in Philadelphia, a church with a parking lot, that's only for the rich, rich, rich. But now we own this building. The church does. Do you see what I mean? And as God moves you along, we don't need God anymore. I'm getting tired of coming to church. I'm getting tired of doing this. I'm getting tired of these things. Why am I tired? Because God has blessed me so much, and, and the blessings have over, overwhelmed me and taken the place of God's goodness uh, where I, I'm done. I don't need anything else because I'm, I have everything I want. No. It's because of doing right and living for the Lord that God is, uh, wants to bless you and he's able to bless you. Now, God is good. You don't have to live for God, for God to be good to you. God is, God's uh, reign reigns on the just and the unjust. But when, you, when you're walking with the Lord and you're striving in his word and you're trying to live right for the Lord, uh, his blessings will come your way even more. And the more you give to God, the more God's going to, uh, he's able to bless you more. But be not weary in well-doing. Why does the Bible say that? Because we do get weary in well-doing. We do. It gets hard. Women, it gets hard for you to uh, dress right for the Lord. It gets hard uh, for, for uh, men to uh, keep your eyes right. And we get tired. And sometimes we want to give up, and sometimes we do give up. But we all need to be reminded uh, how and why God led us to this point. It's to keep serving him. And his goodness and his blessings are not ever to take the place of his presence. But it's only an, an addition, an extra. Because he loves us and because he's good to us. And he reminds us how good God is in our lives. Nehemiah, at this time, the temple was already being built. And Nehemiah here, let's read on. They said in verse 3, and they said unto, uh, unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the providence are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire. The temple's already being built. Is it a process being built or just has been built? Uh, the, the enemies about the land are attacking. They had claimed that land for 70 years when Israel got kicked out. There was some people there left of the captivity, but they were there. The enemies had settled there. Um, Israel was out for 70 years now at this point, over 70 years, around 80, 90 years. And they had settled there, and they were being attacked. But the temple of God was built because of Cyrus and Andarius, uh, if, you, if you want to read the book of Ezra. But now, Nehemiah was interested in how the city was doing. He was still in uh, the, the uh, palace, and he was inquiring of how God's people were doing back in Jerusalem. And here it says the, is the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire. It came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and I wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eye open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. Nehemiah is telling God, God, this is our fault while we're in this situation. You are good, 
and it's because of our sins and turning our back on you uh, that we have got ourselves into this situation here. And I'm confessing, I'm getting everything right. It's good to approach the throne before you go to God. God, you got to realize who you are. God, I'm a sinner, and I'm approaching a holy God. Now, when you approach God, God's going to require of you some things. You got to be humble. You got to confess your sins. And you got to realize that when you're coming to God, God's going to expect of you to change. A lot of us, yeah, God, God doesn't, uh, only God can judge me, and uh, God knows who I am. Yeah, but God gives us the grace to change. He is powerful to change us, amen? And he can turn our hearts, and he expects of us to live according to his will and his commandments. And if you want the blessing of God on your life, and when you go to God in prayer, you better believe it that when before you get up off your knees, God already has declared in your heart what he wants changed and the difference that he wants to make in your life. Maybe he wants to remove some things. Maybe he wants to change some things. Uh, maybe he wants to add some things. Well, you better believe it. God's going to deal with you. We have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept thy commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Uh, that's the word of God, verse 8. Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if ye turn, now, Nehemiah is re, um, uh, telling the Lord the scriptures. He said, if, if you turn away from God, I'm going to scatter you. But Lord, in verse 9, but Lord, but if you turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather you from thence and will bring them unto the place that I've chosen to set my name there. That's 2 Chronicles. When, um, with Solomon, when God's people would turn their back, then God would judge. But if God's people turn back to the Lord, then God will bring them back and bless them. We have a merciful God, amen? God is merciful. And when you sin, when you mess up, you can turn back to God. It's never too late. Though you go and are scattered across the opposite end of the world, God will bring you back. Notice it said bring you back, not keep you there. You're not going to stay in your sin. You're not going to stay in, 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 in that uh, type of life where you went to, God is going to bring you back, bring you back to him. Verse 10, now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. Nehemiah is the king's cupbearer here, the king Artaxerxes. Let's, did we pray? Let's pray. Lord, please bless this time. Thank you for your word. I pray you open our eyes to the book of Nehemiah. Strengthen us. Use us, Lord, in our lives. Thank you for being good to us. In Jesus' name, amen. It came to pass in the month Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes, the king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now, I had not been before sad in his presence. You see that? Nehemiah had a way about him, amen? He had a good spirit. Uh, that, may, uh, that was like Daniel. Daniel had an excellent spirit in the sight of King Nebuchadnezzar and in, also in, in uh, King Nebuchadnezzar's son, Belteshazzar. When a man of God, when a woman of God, listen, wherever you're at, 
you ought to have a good spirit about you. Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit of God in you. Now, when you're living in the flesh, uh, that spirit's going to be off. You're going to be more moody. You're going to be this, that. You're going to be of your flesh. Uh, the, the, the fruits of your flesh, you know them, are anger, is a lust, everything. But when you're living in your flesh, you're going to reap the fruits of your flesh. Uh, you say, Pastor, I have a pro- problem with anger where you're walking in the flesh. Pastor, I have a problem with lust where you're walking in the flesh. Uh, that solves everything. Whatever you're struggling with is because you're walking in the flesh. Period. But if you walk in the Spirit, you should not fulfill the lust of the flesh. When you walk in the Spirit of God, you're going to start reaping the fruits of the Holy Spirit of God. Nehemiah was never sad in the presence of King Artaxerxes. I believe Ahasuerus was before King Artaxerxes. Ahasuerus was with Queen Esther, right? Queen Ahasuerus is mentioned in Ezra. You had uh, Cyrus. These were after Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar's son, Belshazzar. Uh, then Cyrus, and then Darius, then Hasrus, and then Artaxerxes. Now, there were some in between them, too, and, uh, but mentioned here, the kings, they didn't last long. They killed each other and so forth. Amen. Uh, verse 2, Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? Nehemiah was the king's cupbearer. I don't know how he got that job. Amen? But the king liked being around Nehemiah. Nehemiah had a testimony, amen? And sometimes people, uh, you just want to be around somebody. Maybe they make you happy, right? Are you around people that sometimes they just make you happy? They put a smile on your face, make you feel good. Um, maybe uh, there's people that have a lot of wisdom and you want to be around them sometimes. Uh, we always need to be wanting to be around the Lord, Right? Why? Because the Lord has everything, everything we need. He fulfills all. That's someone we always need to want to be around. Wherefore, the king said unto me, why is thy countenance sad? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid. And said unto the king, let the king live forever. Why should my, not my uh, countenance be sad when the city... The place of my father's sepulchres lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire. In Nehemiah chapter 8, um, later on, we're going to read that. Nehemiah, the famous quote in Nehemiah says, The joy of the Lord is my strength. How many has ever heard that? Amen. So Nehemiah knew about joy. Nehemiah knew uh, what it was to be joyful in the Lord. Even when Nehemiah didn't have uh, resources, he was a cupbearer. Everything he had didn't belong to him. It belonged to the king. Amen? But Nehemiah was fine with that. Nehemiah was a content man. He was the king's cupbearer. He gave the king Coke Zero. Starbucks by the time. Uh, Whatever the king wanted, he he brought it to him. Verse 3, and... uh, or we read that already. Verse 4, Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make requests? So I prayed to the God of heaven. He, Nehemiah wasn't very rash with this. He prayed first. He prayed to God. Lord, the king had asked me, What should I request? Now, Nehemiah now has a burden. He's living in the palace. He's the king's cupbearer, but he has a burden now. A burden 
that uh, just came on him when he heard how the city of Jerusalem was still broken down. They went back, they fought for uh, 20 or so years to build the temple of God. Enemies all about him, if you read through Ezra. It's all uh, wars and, and fighting and, and uh, plots to murder and so forth, but they got the temple built. But still, the city was, in destroy, was destroyed. The walls were flattened and the city was just rubble. And in the midst of all that was the temple. And people started building houses and so forth and living. But Nehemiah heard that and he was burdened for the work of God. He was burdened. He had a burden to see uh, the name of God being built up again. He was burdened to when he heard that uh, there was families uh, living in the city that didn't have the walls about them. He was burdened that uh, there was women uh, that were uh, unsafe from the enemies about them. He was burdened about that. You see, Nehemiah got a burden. And I said unto the king, if it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. And the king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him, for how long shall thy journey be? And when wilt thou return? So please the king to send me, and I set him a time. So he asked the king, King Artaxerxes, uh, Artaxerxes. Now Artaxerxes, in the beginning of his reign, had helped uh, forward the decree to build the temple. This is in the 20th year now of his reign, and now they're going to start working on the walls. Moreover, I said unto the king, if it please the king, let letters be given to me to the governors beyond the river, that they may convey me over till I come into Judah. We're going to be going over Nehemiah in the next couple weeks. I'm going to do one and two here. And a letter unto Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams. So Nehemiah is requesting, give me letters for safety, and also give me letters that I may get some uh, timber to build up the walls and the gates and the, and the frames and the walls and so forth. Uh, they were big stone walls. The beams for the gates of the palace and appertain to the house and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall enter into. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. Nehemiah said unto, the, unto my God upon me. He knew God's hand was on him. Amen. And if God's hand is on you today, what is going to limit you? What's going to stop you? Just you. Just your faith. But Nehemiah had a burden. He knew he had God's hand, a, a blessing on him now. God gave him that assurance. Before he did anything, the king said, what, what is your request? Before Nehemiah did anything, that burden created a sadness on his face. He was, he was burdened. It was a good sorrow. It was a good sadness. Before he did anything, he stopped and prayed. He prayed to his God. He prayed to the God of heaven. And he got that assurance from God. And then he went out. And then he went to the king and said, this is what I want. He knew God's hand. He got assurance that God's hand will be upon him. Uh, Gospel of Baptist Church, I know God's hand is upon this church. God's hand is obviously upon this church. Now, what are we going to do with that? Should we be weary and well-doing? Should we see uh, the, uh, the city go to hell? Should we give up now when we hear so many families and, and see all the brokenness all around us? Should we give up now? Should we get tired? 
Should we just give our lives to being a cupbearer for this king of the world? Just to go to work every day and get a minimum wage or whatever our wages we get? Is that our life? Or do we have a higher calling? Nehemiah was a cupbearer, sure. But God had to put a burden on him. And he took it to the Lord. And he got God's hand a blessing. And then he went forward. He didn't quit. He told Artaxerxes, I will be back. But this now is in my lot. And I need to take care of this. He stood up. Amen. And thank God for some of you here. Are you staying up to your boss? I got church. Or we got a, a special meeting coming up. Or uh, listen, I got Bible school. Uh, you, you, you put the Lord first, even at work. Amen. And you, you tell uh, your work that I'm who your God is and what's going on in your life. Why? Because we have a higher calling. There's more to this life uh, than just our position of being cupbearers. There's more to this life. But there's some people who get that burden. And they, knew, they know there's something more that God wants them to do, but they don't know where to go. You go to the Lord. Before anything else, you go to the Lord. Lord, what should I do? And ask God to open your eyes and maybe open my eyes and open to the, the eyes around you. And we'll help you with that burden. Nehemiah went to the king, and the king helped him with that burden. You get, I want people to get burdened in this church, see more ministry started. And we'll help you with that burden. You'll have a whole church family behind you, praying and cheering you on to help you with that burden. Then I came to the governors beyond the river and gave them the king's letter. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. Verse 10, Then when Sambal the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, remember them too, Sambal and Tobiah, the Ammonite heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly, that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. Just one man. Really? One man. Uh, they're, they're grieved because one man came? Listen, what one man, what one woman could do when they step foot in a place, when they have the hand of God upon them. What one, one person? Who was Nehemiah? Did he come with riches? No. He was just a cupbearer. Was he this amazing, strong man? No, he was just a cupbearer. But he had a burden, and he had the hand of God upon him. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days, and I rose in the night. I and some few men with me told any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me, save the beast that I rode upon. That's like a horse. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well, into the dung port, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. All the wood was burnt, and all the uh, gates were down, and all the walls were just broken up. Then I went on to the gate of the fountain and to the king's pool, but there was no place for the beasts that was under me to pass. Everything was just piles of rubble. His horse, whatever he was riding on, couldn't even walk, which is rubble. And if you go out in a city, you go down K&A, you go down to the neighborhoods, uh, families and houses are just rubble. Not physic or physically, but spiritually. And the actual physical family. And when you think you found a nice home, when you think you did, you dig a little bit and you say, man, they are messed up. 
Where and what has happened to even basic humanity today? Everything is burnt. Everything is torn. And we are all walking just to rubble in this city. Now God has put to Nehemiah's burden eyes. He's actually seeing now what he heard. And he's getting more stirred. He didn't see it first, he just heard it. But that was enough for Nehemiah. Then I went on to the gate of the fountain into the king's pool. Verse 15, then went I up in the night by the brook and viewed the wall and turned back and entered by the gate of the valley and so returned. And the rulers knew not whither I went or what I did. Neither was I yet told it to the Jews, nor to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did the work. Then said I to them, ye see the distress that we're in, how Jerusalem lieth waste and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. I can imagine it right there. Oh, you're just like everybody else. You're just like the next young guy. Do you think you're going to come and just build all this back up? That discourages everybody when you hear that, right? You know what it does? Uh, you know why we do that? If people do that? It's because if you're not better than me, then I feel content where I'm at. In fact, if you do worse than me, then I feel better. So if you're here and I'm a little bit above you, I'm good. But if you're a little bit above me, I'm going to feel terrible. So what mankind does is we bring our, each other down. We naturally go down. So if anyone comes with the heart to do what's right and the heart to do more for God, if, there, if we feel like they're above our spiritual plane, ah, oh, you're just like the next guy. You'll fail. This can't be done. It's impossible. But then there's a stirring deep down inside that you know God has chosen you. God has chosen you. God is not the God that leaves rubble. God is not the God that leaves families destroyed. God told Moses, Moses, you're going to lead all out of Egypt. Pharaoh said, you're not leading all out, just the men, just a few of you. Moses said, no, not just the men, not just some men, but all the men. And then he said, all the women, and then all the children, and all the families, and all my sheep, and all the animals of Israel are leaving out of Egypt. That's our God. Not one hoof left behind, Moses said. Not one. And God looks down upon the city and all around us and sees all the brokenness. And we say, oh, this is just how it is today. But God says, no, well, that's not me. I'm not, I don't want to leave it like that. I need men and women to stand up and I'll put a burden on you that this may be changed. By with what finances? When we have the king's decree upon us, Nehemiah didn't have anything, but he had the king's approval. You see, Nehemiah, he was the king's cupbearer. Yeah, King Artaxerxes. 
but he really was the king's cupbearer. Amen? And he had, yeah, he had uh, Artaxerxes' approval, but first he got the king of kings' approval before King Artaxerxes' approval. He went not to Artaxerxes first. He went to the God of heaven first. And when he knew the God of heaven had his hand upon him, then he knew nothing would stop him then. And even the kings of this earth would bow to the will of God. Nehemiah knew this. And that's what made him go. That's what made him leave everything behind. I believe that the hand of God is upon us. And what is stopping us then? What will cause somebody to rise up above and beyond everyone else around me? Rise up above me. Rise up above you. Let's rise up because the hand of God is upon us. That we may see some great things happen. Maybe God has chosen Gospel A Baptist Church to cause revival in the city of Philadelphia. To bring people back to God. There are times in man's history where God has chosen one small church. One man came and the enemies were stirred up. The Bible says, Sanbal and Tobiah, in verse 10, when they heard of this one man coming, the Bible says, it grieved them exceedingly that there was a man Finally, there was a man that would come and seek the welfare of the children of Israel. One person. May God raise that one person up as Gospel Light Baptist Church. May the enemy shake when the devil starts seeing more men and women in this church praying. Getting more on their knees. Uh, shutting off the TV and getting to their Bibles more. And start handing out more tracts, and start preaching the gospel more. You say, what will that do? Be not weary in well-doing. For in due season ye shall reap if you faint not. It feels good sometimes when you don't have to do nothing, and everybody else around you seems to be getting lower and lower and lower. As long as I'm on top, I feel okay. But no, God is on top. Amen? And he will never lower his standards. We must encourage each other, the Bible says, to encourage each other, edify one another, and edify and encourage each other more and more as you see the day approaching. Let's finish this chapter out and we'll close. Then, verse 17, then said I unto them, You see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. He's saying, you see, all the, you see the broken homes, you see all the drugs on the street, you see all the alcohol. Nothing's working. The world's methods don't work. You see all this? Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God which is upon me. That's number one. That's all he needed. God's hand is upon us. You say, if God's hand's upon us, then what else matters? Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. If God's hand is upon us, then we'll cross that Red Sea. If God's hand is upon us, but first comes a burden, and then comes seeking God, 
and then comes the action. Then I told them of the good hand of God which was upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise. He said, God's hand's upon me. God's already started opening doors. Let us arise and build. So they strengthened their hands with this good work. But when Sambel and the Horonite and Tobiah, the servant of the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, what is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? Then answered I them and said unto them, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we his servants will rise and build. But ye have no portion nor right nor memorial in Jerusalem. Notice he didn't say anything about King Artaxerxes. He said, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. He will prosper us. He will prosper us. Gospel A Baptist Church, we are the hope of the city. This little church here, the Wednesday night crowd, we are the hope of the city. Why? Because we carry the king's commandment. We carry the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we stop, then many more children, many more women, many more men will be broken and on their way to hell. What will we do with the burden that God has placed on us as a church, as individuals? Will we stop? Will we shut our ears? Will we close our eyes of the reports that we're getting? Will we keep looking around and say, oh, it's so bad outside. It's getting worse and worse and worse. We know it is. Are we waiting for God to do something? God says, I'm waiting for you. I've called you. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. May some of us get that burden tonight and stirred and be willing to leave wherever we're at, whatever situation. You say, well, I can't. The king, I'm the king's cupbearer. I can't leave. I'm too busy in this world. I cannot go. I serve the king of this world. Some of us will say, I serve the king of kings, the king of heaven. And he is who I will put first. And when you serve him, then he whispers down to the king of this world and turns their heart towards his will and your favor so that God gives the grace to part the Red Sea before you. By faith, God will move the heart of a king towards your favor and his will so that you may perform the will of God. And not only that, God stirred up King Artaxerxes to finance the whole thing. He says, I'll give you the inheritance of the heathen, of lands you've never plowed, of houses you've not built. That's our God. Only God can do that for you. Get a burden tonight and bring it before the king of heaven and let God do the rest. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you in this hour asking for help and grace in our time of need. I believe, Lord, that your hand is upon this church. We're not a people who are uh, special. Father, uh, Lord, if we could just be a cupbearer like Nehemiah, Lord, that knows who their God is, that knows where their strength lies. Nehemiah didn't have anything. He was the cupbearer of King Artaxerxes. But Lord, he had you, and that was enough. Father, we have you. But why isn't 
things happening? Why are things stagnant? Why aren't things getting turned upside down for you? Lord, I pray you put that burden on us. Help us to realize your power and your grace upon us and let us arise and get moving for you. Our only limit is our faith. It is not our resources. It is not our strength. It is nothing else but just our trust in who we are serving. Nehemiah said, I serve the God of heaven, and that is who I answer to. Blessed be your name, O Lord. Let us all rise now and make decisions for you. I pray you call on us, burden us, and give us the grace to perform your will. In Jesus' name, let's all stand. I pray for a burden upon everybody here tonight that this church may be used of God in a mighty way. Let's all come down and pray and ask, Lord, Lord, use me. Touch my heart. Open my eyes that I may get a glimpse. Burden my heart tonight. Give me faith. I don't want to be a cupbearer to the king of this world. I want to be a cupbearer to the king of kings and lord of lords. There are many people in this room that have been through a lot in their life. God wants to use you tonight to reach those where you know you've been also. It starts with a burden. It starts with trust. It starts with getting up and moving for God. Sure, the enemy comes. You will be attacked. But you must always remember that you serve the King of Kings. And be not weary in well-doing, my friend. For in due season ye shall reap if ye faint not. Nothing else will matter but to live for thee. I will be your witness as you live in me. Set my soul afire, Lord. Set my soul afire. Make my life a witness. Make my life a witness of thy saving power. Millions grope in darkness. Millions grope in dark. Waiting for thy word. Waiting for thy word. Set my soul afire. Set my soul afire, Lord. Set my soul afire. Amen. Brother Tom, would you close us in prayer?
Dana, we have fellowship Wednesday, next Wednesday? Okay. Could you announce it? Just a minor announcement. Next Wednesday will be fellowship after service. Please join us. Try to bring somebody with you. Um, let's get a burden to bring people in. Get them saved, get them sanctified, get, get them back in return. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for tonight's message. Thank you for the singing, the preaching. You bless us in a mighty way, Father. Lord, I pray you help us to go home. Remember what we learned tonight. I pray you hedge and protect us. Keep us safe. Give us travel and mercies as we have to go home in this weather, Lord. I pray you protect each and every one of us. Bless us for the rest of the week, and we'll give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen.